passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The second biggest disappointment in Mets history based on underachieving from over-under. Are you ready for this one? I don't know. This one may surprise you because in a very similar fashion, it comes off a bad year too. Like what's weird about 1993 is that it's coming off of a bad season, and yet the team had high expectations. So I'm going to give you one that's kind of surprising. 2003. The 2003 New York Mets had an over-under of 86 and a half. They were high expectations for the 03 Mets after they won 75 games a year earlier. Remember, they added Robbie Alomar in 2002. They added Mo Vaughn in 2002. They added Jeremy Burnitz in 2002. But now they moved on from Bobby Valentine, and they are hired Art Howe. So I don't know why. Oh, because they added Cliff Floyd? Like, the big moves were actually made going into the 2002 season. The big move going into 2003 was signing Tom Glavin. So now you had Tom Glavin, you had Al Leiter, you had Steve Troxell, who they had just added. And so the Mets had expectations that had their over-under at 86 and a half, and the season was a disaster. It was, it was horrible. They won 66 games. But what's weird is that it was off a bad year. It was off of 2002, where they won 75 games. That one felt more obvious. And that's why I'm sorry. 2003, it's not one of the more disappointing seasons in the history. I mean, it is. Let me frame that correctly. It's not in the top, top of disappointing seasons. Because I felt it coming. Like, none of us even wanted Tom Glavin. Who the hell wanted Tom Glavin? And then he walks through that door on that cold afternoon against the Chicago Cubs, and he takes a giant shit all over the field while we're freezing our asses off. Tom Glavin began his career as a Met and ended his career as a Met in the most ridiculously lame fashion. 
opening day in the cold against the Cubbies, in which he sucked, and then walking off the mound of a chorus of booze against the Marlins in 2007. But much like 92-93, I look at 0-2 and 0-3 very similarly. 0-2, in which their over-under was 90.5, and they won 75 games, 15.5 disappointment. That's a more disappointing year than 2003. Because again, the Mets are trying to reload after 0-1, disappointing year, kind of end of an era from that 2000-2001-1999 period. They bring in Robbie Alomar. They bring in Jeremy Burnett's. I think they bring in Roger Cedeno in 2002. I'm trying to remember if that was the year. And they sucked. They were bad. And it was the last year of Bobby Valentine's where they decided we're going to blame Bobby Valentine and we're going to keep Steve Phillips. Great plan. And then Art Howe becomes the manager. So 02, more disappointing than 2003. So I'm confused right now because, I, I, listen, I, I we're fans of the Mets, right? So you and I... We sat here all off season talking, kind of overhyping our team. Never said that they were going to win the division. I think both of us said that wasn't going to happen, but said they were good enough to make the playoffs and whatever. And they completely crapped the bed. But like, like you said, when you're coming off such a bad season of 75 wins and you project them to win, what was it, 88? What was the number? 2003 was 86 and a half. Yeah, 86 and a half. Like. Major jump. Why? Because Tom Glavin, this old ass pitcher that shows up. Like, I don't understand. Why are they and respect, I love the Mets, but they get overhyped by the writers, the media, the the Vegas, like no one else. Am I wrong yeah. on that? No, no, not in that time period, you're not. I mean they they were overhyped in ninety two, ninety three because they spent and bought players. They were overhyped in O two, O three because they bought players. I think in general, that's just the way it works. If you go out and have an aggressive offseason, your hype is going to go up. The problem is the Mets failed with it miserably. This is why, as much as I kill the Wilpons, they spent. Like, they had moments in their history where they were aggressive in spending. They just didn't spend in the right way. So 92-93, we mentioned how disappointing it was. But to me, not in the top three. There are other years that come above that. And guess what? We're about to get to those years. We're about to get to the years that really rankle me in terms of disappointment and are candidates for our vote as the most disappointing year in the history of the New York Mets. So let's get to the third biggest disappointment based on projected win total to where it turned out. And this could win. I'm warning you right now. 2009. In 2009, the New York Mets had an over-under of 90 and a half. They were, for context, coming off of missing the playoffs on the final day of the season in 2008 and 2007. So while the Mets were coming off of massive disappointments, they were coming off of 88 wins and 89 wins. The Mets were coming off of a stretch in which they had four consecutive winning seasons. That doesn't happen very often. Like, it was almost the glory days of the New York Mets. Though we did have that in the late 90s, early 2000s. 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001. We had five consecutive winning seasons, including how many postseason appearances, two of them. So, context. The Mets are in the NLCS in 2006. We lose the seventh game. We all remember that. They choke in 07, win 88 games. They lose a pennant race in 08. They win 89 games. They go out 
and try to fix their bullpen by signing Francisco Rodriguez and they acquired J.J. Putz. So the Mets look at what happened at the end of 08 and they say, okay, let's just fix our problem. Let's add bullpen help. Let's go add K-Rod. Let's go add J.J. Putz. Seems like a logical plan. Seems like, oh, this makes sense. So the Mets come into the season, opening up a brand new stadium, City Field, coming off a year in which they won 89 games. Johan Santana's back for another season. Let's go. They bring in Gary Sheffield, who maybe has something less at the age of 40. Let's rock it out. Let's have some fun. And they sucked. And they sucked. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus And that season, personally, here's another reason why it was so disappointing. We go into a new stadium, a stadium I was not excited for as a fan. They jacked the crap out of the prices. Like the prices to go to City Field were so, so high compared to Shea Stadium. They start the year with just like this endless road trip. They open up the stadium with a night game against the Padres, a night game? Every opening day is at 110, 140. Now you're playing a night game against the Padres, and the first batter of the game, Jody Garrett, hits a home run. I mean, it was just a freaking disaster. It was not fun. Now, they actually played reasonably well till about June, because they hung in there. They didn't get off to a terrible start. It wasn't one of those, hey, they're obviously done. What did them in is June. They went 9-18 and 18 in June. They went 8-20 and 20 in September. The season really spiraled. Carlos Beltran got hurt, which was a huge blow. And 2009 was just, it was one of those disasters that never end. You know, Carlos played well, but he missed half the year. David Wright couldn't hit a home run because the fences were so deep, which became an issue all season long. We quickly realized that Luis Castillo is just not that good. And then he topped the cherry on it by dropping a pop-up against the New York Yankees, the Luis Castillo game, as it's called. They also had a game in Los Angeles where Ryan Church missed third base. They were piling up brutal losses. They were piling up the losses, and they did this off of a year in which, in a brand new stadium, the expectations were still high, that that era Mets were going to win something. And they went out, and they lost 92 games. That's up there, bro. It's one of the worst seasons in the history of the franchise. I'm sorry. But that was the Omir Santos year, right? Where he really? hit a home run. Yeah. Really? One game at Fenway Park supersedes <laughs> all everything I just said. Are you freaking kidding me? 
Uh, that, you know what? I think I watched that on like Mets flashbacks for, for years, for decades. Um, no, you're right. That was th- – I that I actually didn't buy season tickets 2009. They called me up and they asked me why. I said because you have basically the same team coming back from the past couple of years, and they're just not good enough. You need to bring in more talent. Like I don't want to see the same crappy pitching staff anymore. Like Joanne Santana, I think by that point in time was – was good, but he was still he was still hurt. Uh, or coming off an injury in two thousand eight, right? Yeah, a good two- year in 09, He made twenty five starts, had a very solid season. So it was the rest of the rotation. It was the fact that Mike Pelfrey sucked. Lavon Hernandez is making a bunch of starts. Tim Redding is making starts. Oliver Perez was an unmitigated disaster with that mm. new contract, and the bullpen additions didn't work the way they envisioned it. That's for sure. Yeah, putts sucked. Putts was a putts. He sucked. Yeah. He wasn't good. J.J. Putz wasn't good. Sean Green wasn't good. Bobby Parnell wasn't good. He was a young player at the time. Francisco Rodriguez was good until the Luis Castillo blown pop-up. He had not blown a save until Luis Castillo dropped that pop-up. 2009 is a special year because a lot of seasons in our history kind of blend together. You almost forget. I'll give you a few examples. 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. They all blend together. They really do. I know in a few of those years, we had decent starts and then collapsed in July. Like, you almost forget specifically what happened. I, 2013, I remember. Matt Harvey. I mean, who could forget that? And R.A. Dickey in 2012. Like, I guess, there, I guess there are certain things that you don't completely forget. But 2009 was special and unique. New stadium. Carlos Beltran misses half a year. The fences destroy David Wright. And then there were games, like we just mentioned a few of them, that you will never forget. I'll give you another one from 2009. I'll never forget this. City Field, Mets, Phillies. Jeff Francoeur lines into an unassisted triple play to Eric Bruntlett. Like it was just, what? Did we, did we lose a game on an unassisted triple play? What? So you throw that in with the Luis Castillo game, with the Ryan Church game. I guess positively to your point, Pete, we have the Omer Santos game. It was one of those years that you just remember everything. And it was also, and this is what's going to make judging 2023 very difficult. 2009. Did we say 2009 or is it just 2009? I I think it's 2009. Was the beginning of our end. Like it led to a dark period of Mets history. It led to the Bernie Madoff, Will Pond-esque Mets, you know, the post-Madoff world that the Mets lived in. It led to a very dark time where the spending kind of went away. We weren't good. We were boring. We weren't awful. Like, here's what's crazy about that team that lost 92 games. During that dark period between 2010 and 2014, we didn't lose 90 games. It's kind of kind of weird. Like, we lost 83 games, we lost 85 games, we lost 88 games, we lost 88 games, we lost 83 games before we turned it around in 2015. So it wasn't even bad, bad, but it was boring and it wasn't good. So a part of what makes 09 so epically disappointing is what it led to. So put that on the list. That's up there. 2009 is our first real candidate for worst season in the history of the New York Mets. All right, it's up there. But now, was Omar still there in 2009, or did, how many more years do you have left? 
Omar Minaya was still the general manager of the New York Mets. Omar Minaya was the GM the following year in 2010, and after the season, that's when he was fired. So 2011, that was the beginning of the Alderson-Collins era, and they were mediocre and boring for four years before things turned around, which is amazing. Think about that. 2011, 2012, 2013, and then 14 was like signs of being good, and then obviously 2015, they win the pennant. So yeah, Omar and Jerry were done after 2010, and that ushered in the Alderson-Collins era, which at first did not look like it was going to go well, because like I mentioned, they had a couple of bad years. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.